So the, the, the meat and potatoes of the last newsletter was this response that um, you, I thought, thoughtfully put together oh, on thank you, sir. The, yeah, the, the longer telegram, which obviously is a loaded title. Uh, referencing back to the long telegram of George Kennan. Mm-hmm. Um, this longer telegram was also written anonymously um, as George Kennan wrote his under, I think, the, the, um, name, the name X. Mr. X, or, yeah. X or something. Right, exactly. And then, of course, this is a Cold War classic, you know, <laughs> uh, George Kennan's piece. And it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I want to start by asking you who you think it is. And then kind of what, what does it say about this person's thinking, their state of mind that they've framed mm. the, the entire piece under this kind of, uh, you know, Cold War, you know, connotation? Yeah, this Cold War redux kind of thing, right? Uh, for, exactly, yeah. I mean, it's a great question who wrote it. I, mean, I, I, have, I can't really, I don't know. I can only speculate. But, you know, one of the things I wrote in was it's someone within the Blinken State Department. It could be Blinken himself or Jake Sullivan. And, you know, the, what it says basically about the thinking about the Cold War is it's entirely conventional, basically, view of George Kennan, what that the effectiveness and nature of the containment policy was at that time. And that conventional view is basically that, you know, George Kennan was a far-seeing, clear-eyed, analytical, and sober commentator and, and, and you, know, you know, foreign policy advisor who um, provided the policy that eventually led to the fall of the Soviet Union. And one of the things I've tried to point out is that Kennan, you know, himself in his own, in his, um, you know, own assessment of Russian political conditions and why containment was the best strategy, had a, put a lot of emphasis on the fragility of the Soviet system, its, of its political system, of its ideology, and, and of course also framed it within a larger historical uh, national experience of Russians as inherently paranoid about the West, and he, tre- you know, um, he treated. Um, in, to put it in, to put it simply, he thought Marxism only uh, grew in Russia because of that paranoid kind of, you know, national sensibility. Not only that, but he, so he had a very like you could say he his analysis of the actual. Um, nature and, and future of the political system was is actually very off because what he thought would be an imminent collapse or a collapse in the near term actually took 45 years. And so one of the first things that, you know, you, you notice about this framing of this longer telegram now written as a way of trying to understand what America's strategic orientation to China should be is right. that they, um, you know, in sort of sense have a kind of the, a very conventional, but often, you know, as we've discussed in other episodes, kind of foggy idea about the Cold War and the nature of America's, you know, basically role in ratcheting up the tensions. And, you know, one of the things I will point out and something we've talked about in a lot of the historiography of the early Cold War from Leffler and others is that, you know, obviously after defeating fascism and the all, after the purges and having to fight World War II and losing more than 20 million people, Russia was in a basic defensive position and a yeah. series of political crises and diplomatic crises ratcheted up the tension in the early Cold War and, and, le- and the Truman Doctrine, basically. To make a long story short, I took note of that aspect of the framing of this kind of Cold War 2.0 framing of it. Now, anonymous in, in the longer telegram is, of course – very aware of, all, of many of the differences between Russia and Ch- Russia then and China today, and most of those have to do with the amount of economic interdependence and 
technological competitiveness um, that no, China well, still has. Purely, purely the size of the GDP as and well. Yeah. Exactly. And the, the size of, the, of its GDP and the fact that it's set to, to grow larger than the United States um, in the near term. Whereas at the in like 1980, I think the USSR was like 80, or excuse me, was about um, 35 to 40% of the US, uh, right. US's GDP. So, yeah, and, and I, um, I just sort of went through most of the core arguments, not, not all of the – because it really is a longer telegram at 80 pages, whereas Kennan's was like 6,000 words. This is 80 pages long, and it's full of a lot of kind of think tank kind of fluff and, you know, the, the conventions of, you know, uh, to promote democracy here, da, da, da. But I, I tried to, to um, bring out what some of the like kind of core orienting and strategic kind of concepts and ways they're thinking about the future of what they call uh, strategic competition with China. And that's a sp- I can go into that. It's this very sort of you know it's kind of think tanky word, but it basically means um, in important areas of military and ideological competition, they're gonna they're gonna it's it's gonna be a real you know great power rivalry. And one of the things that Anonymous, you know, tries to do as similar to Kennan is, is orient American policy in the weaknesses of the Chinese system. And so Anonymous is saying that we need to take advantage of intra-party, intra-CCP tensions and, you know, basically hook, bribe and, and uh, blackmail and, um, and, and lure basically um, elites in the Communist Party against Xi Jinping and his faction. And I, I basically called into question both the feasibility of that and also the degree to which there really are those, those tensions could be so manipulated. And that's, I basically, you know, put Xi in as a kind of, he is a, he is a you know, he is a pivot in, a, in China's, you know, sort of national strategy. But he's also he's also bearing the fruits of you know previous um, uh, leaders' investments in its military modernization, in improving its diplomatic corps. And Deng Xiaoping famously said, you know, hide our power, bide our time, and hide our power. I mean, there's a, there is a bigger continuity, and in a lot of ways, Xi is saying the, the things out loud that people said more quietly. 